This is the Craft Seller Success Podcast from Tinteddy. Episode number six. Six pages your craft blog must have. Welcome to the Craft Seller Success Podcast, helping craft sellers sell their crafts. I'm Deborah Richardson from Tin Teddy. Today I'm going to talk about six very important pages that your online shop, blog or website could well need. If your site is very small and simple, you may not need them all. But if you sell products online, you will probably find that all of these pages are a must. Although this podcast is aimed at those of you with your own blog or website, many of the pages are just as important for online shops such as Shopify or Wix, or marketplaces like Etsy and Folksy. Number one, an about page. For craft sellers, an about page is very useful. This is where you can tell your visitors more about yourself and your business. Make the most of this opportunity to really show why a visitor should buy from you and not anyone else. You can talk about your crafting experience and influences. Be sure to include any relevant qualifications you might have. You could also mention courses you have done, exhibitions you have taken part in, and so on. Your About page is also a great place to talk about interesting or exciting projects you have done in the past. On the About page for my Etsy shop, where I sell digital graphics for crafters to use, I mention that I have done artwork for a band's CDs and illustrations for children's books. Although these are not the products I am selling now, they are relevant to my current business, and I hope they strengthen my business credentials. I know that many crafters find it a bit difficult to blow their own trumpets. Remember that you have a lot of competition out there. If you want people to choose your products and buy from you, it is worth trying to give them a good reason for doing so. Some people like to include a picture of themselves on the About page. There have been studies that show that when a seller has a picture of his or herself, it builds more trust in the visitor. But if you are not comfortable about putting your face online, that's fine. Consider including a more anonymous picture of yourself. You could show your hands working on your craft or a back shot of yourself busy at work. Many about pages include pictures of behind the scenes. This can be a great place to display pictures of your craft room, table or studio. Or pop in a few attractive shots of your materials, such as a colourful pile of balls of yarn, or beads in a pot, or a painty palette. All this helps reinforce your handmade USP. A handy hint. If you sell at craft shows, you may want to add details of upcoming events to your About page. Be sure to include some internal links from your About page to other pages on your site. This not only helps your visitors decide where to go next, but is also great for Google SEO. Number two, a Contact Me page. As you have no doubt guessed, this is a page with details of how a visitor can contact you. Shocker, eh? At a bare minimum, it will have your contact email address. You may also want to include your business phone number, Skype or similar contact details, social media links and so on. If you have a bricks and mortar shop, 
you will no doubt want to include its address and how visitors can find you. I see a lot of shops that include an interactive map to help people with this. You will also need to include the physical address of the business somewhere on the site if you sell to the European Union. You can put it on the Contact Me page or you may prefer to use the About page, especially if you only sell online. Many Contact Me pages include a contact form. This is a simple form that the visitor can fill out, usually with their name, email address and a message. The form is then sent to your email. Using a form like this is often a bit quicker for the visitor than opening their own email client. It also affords them a bit of anonymity if they wish, which some people might prefer. A contact form makes it quick and easy for visitors to your site to contact you. Some people prefer to merge their Contact Me page with their About page. Number three, a privacy policy. Nowadays, data privacy is a very hot topic. A privacy policy is the page where you tell your visitors what data you collect about them, how you use that data, and reassure them that you keep it safe. If you are in the European Union, or if anyone from the EU can access your website, you need to have a GDPR compliant privacy policy. A GDPR policy will clarify exactly what data you are collecting, how you store it, if you share it with anyone else, that the visitor can ask for it to be deleted and similar things. Personally, I would recommend having a GDPR compliant privacy policy wherever you live. Why? Well, imagine an American shopper who is trying to decide between buying from two US-based shops, Shop A and Shop B. Shop A only sells to the USA, so does not have a GDPR policy. Shop B, however, sells internationally and does have the policy in place. The shopper may look at the two shops and decide that Shop B is more trustworthy because they are being upfront about their data handling like this. What data might you be collecting? If you sell via the website, then you will need to collect your buyer's names, emails and address to be able to fulfil the order. You will also be collecting data if you allow comments on your blog posts, sign-ups for a newsletter or have a contact form on your Contact Me page. Be sure that your visitors are actively opting into things such as newsletters. In my opinion, it is rather rude to assume that someone wants you to email them, unless they say otherwise. It is also illegal to make that assumption in many countries. Clearly tell your visitors what they are signing up to, then give them a clear option to choose to sign up. This way, you will ensure that your subscribers are interested in what you have to say. If you pass customer data to a third party, it is very important that you clarify this. For example, if you use a printing fulfilment company, such as Printful or Printify. If you use an email or newsletter client, such as MailChimp, or if you print your postage labels online. Many of these companies will have issued guidelines on how to be sure that you are complying with the latest data laws. So check out their websites. They will also have their own privacy policies too, of course. Data gathering sites and tools, such as MailChimp, Jetpack, Comment and Form plugins, will also have details about how to use their products in a GDPR compliant manner. If you are using a site like Etsy or Folksy, 
they have provided templates you can easily use for your privacy policy. In the show notes, I will provide a link to the Shopify GDPR privacy policy template. There are lots of other good free templates available online. I strongly suspect that over the next few years, we will see more and more countries tightening up their data handling laws. Privacy is a very delicate and important matter. Important. I am not a lawyer nor an expert on privacy policies. Please ensure you do your own research to be sure that your website is complying with any relevant laws. Number four, a site map. There are two sorts of site map, both of which can help your website a lot. An XML site map is usually created by software, not you, and is for search engines like Google to use. It allows the search engine to understand the structure of your site and ensure that it can visit all your pages. There are a few different WordPress plugins that generate an XML page for you, or you can use the Google XML sitemaps site. I will include a link in the show notes. The other sort of sitemap is usually called an HTML sitemap, and this is basically a normal website page, which lists all the pages on your site. This type of sitemap is for your human visitors to use. If you go to www.apple.com slash sitemap, you will see a great example of a human-friendly sitemap. Here there are links to all Apple's different services, etc., grouped to make it easy to find what you need. You can create your own HTML sitemap, laid out however you wish, or you can use a tool to automatically create one. Please note that if you are selling through a marketplace like Etsy, you will not be able to add any sitemaps. The marketplace site does this for you. Number five, terms of service page. This can also be called a terms of use page or a policies page. If your website is a simple blog, this page might be very short, or you may even feel you don't need one at all. But if you sell products from the site, you will almost certainly find quite a few things you need to include. You may even want to split your terms of service page up, as many online shops do. For example, with a separate page for your returns policy on it. Be sure to link all such pages to each other so your visitor can find what they are looking for. Some of the things you might want to include on your terms of service page are shipping. Here you can tell your visitors what service you use for shipping, how long the item takes to make before shipping, and perhaps, roughly, how long it will take to arrive. Be careful not to promise shipping times that you can't guarantee. I recommend including anything that will reassure a potential customer. This could include that you double box delicate items, or if the parcel is tracked, and so on. If you use recycled packaging material, I recommend including this fact too. It can be a good selling point. Damaged items. What should your customers do if an item arrives damaged? Do you need photos of the damage? Should they keep the packaging? How long do they have to contact you about it? And of course, what will you be doing about it? Lost items. This is very similar to damaged items. Here you clarify how long a customer should wait before a parcel is considered lost. Check with the delivery service you use to see what their guidelines are on this. 
If you use tracked postage, you can take this opportunity to say so. A handy hint. I have seen some newer sellers saying something like, This shop cannot accept responsibility for items that are lost or damaged in the post. Whilst it is true that you are not personally responsible for what the Postal Service does with a parcel, you, as a seller, are always responsible for ensuring that a customer gets the item that they have paid for, or a replacement or full refund if that is not possible. The customer's payment provider, such as PayPal, etc., will back them on this, so if you try to refuse to refund for a lost parcel, you could end up having the money taken from you and a black mark on your account to boot. If you are concerned about parcels being lost or damaged, use postal insurance. That being said, please do not ask your customers if they want to pay for postal insurance. No wise customer will ever actually ask to pay more for it because they have no need to. The insurance is to protect you, the seller. If you want it, include it. If you prefer to self-insure, that is, to accept any losses yourself, which may be a logical decision for low-priced items, you will still need to replace or refund the customer. You choose the shipping method, you choose whether insurance is worth having, and you must accept the responsibility for ensuring your customer is not out of pocket if something goes wrong. If tracking or signed-for options are available in your country, you may want to look into these. Returns. What should a customer do if they want to return an item because they do not like it? What if it doesn't fit, or if it's not what they expected? This sort of return is usually called buyer's remorse, or change of mind returns. Clarify how long the customer has to contact you for such a return. Be aware of any legal requirements, such as the European Union's online selling regulations, which requires you to allow at least 14 days for returns. Does the customer need to do anything particular to return the item? For example, if you are in the EU and selling to someone outside of the EU borders, you will need them to clearly mark the returned parcel as being a return, or otherwise you may get hit with VAT when the item crosses back into the EU. Be sure to also mention if there are some products that are exempt from your returns policy, such as digital or edible items. Offering a customer-friendly returns policy is one of the easiest ways you can give your business a little boost over the competition. Although some niches, such as clothing, may experience more returns than other products, people can't easily tell if something will fit or suit them until they try it on, in general, if your products are well-made of good quality and you describe them properly, you should get very few returns. Custom or personalised items If you sell items that are personalised for your customers, or things that you make custom to the buyer's specifications, you may want to include a section in your terms of service about this, or you may want to have a separate page for it if there is quite a bit to say. Explain what you offer, what you need from the customer, and the time frames to expect for such a service. Remember that custom and personalised items are a good selling point for your business, so be sure to include a few sentences reminding customers of this. Some sites, such as Shopify, include a template to help you create your terms of service. Marketplace sites, such as Etsy, usually have boilerplate policies that you can easily adjust to suit your shop. 
Again, there are many templates available online. Check out some of the websites you regularly use to see what sorts of things they include in their terms of service to give you ideas for your own. Number six, an affiliate disclosure page. If you have affiliate links on your website, you will definitely want an affiliate disclosure page. Affiliate links are links to items for sale on another person's website. When your visitors click the links and buy an item, you get a small commission from the site owners for sending customers their way. Affiliate links are very popular on blogs as they can bring in a little extra cash to the blogger. I will be discussing more about affiliate links in a later podcast. In many countries, it is a legal requirement to clearly disclose you are using affiliate links. And if you are an Amazon affiliate, they require that you clearly disclose the fact to your visitors. Other affiliate schemes may have similar caveats. To be honest, doing so is good manners in my opinion, so everyone should do it. Some people include the affiliate disclosure policy in as part of their privacy policy page. A few other pages and additions to your blog that you may want. Here are a couple of other pages that you may find useful on your standalone website. A customised page not found page. This is a page that comes up if a visitor to your website tries to go to a page that actually does not exist. It is often called an error 404 page. There are two common ways a visitor to your site might see such a page. One is if you have a broken link somewhere. Perhaps you moved or deleted a page at some point. If the page no longer exists, the error 404 page will show instead. The other reason for stumbling on 404 pages is if someone mistypes the URL when trying to get to one of your pages or uses a link with a typo in it. For example, if you had a page on your website called yourwebsite.com slash products and someone typed into their URL bar yourwebsite.com produce, it would show an error 404 page unless you happen to have a page called produce. Many websites use a customised page not found page, perhaps with a search box on it or links to other parts of their website. If you type in your website's URL followed by a slash, then some random letters, you will see your site's current error 404 page. If you search online, you will find tutorials, videos, etc. with instructions on how to make a customised page for your site. This is not necessary, but something you may like to do. FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions FAQs, or Frequently Asked Questions, is a page where you list questions that a customer or potential customer might ask together with answers. FAQ pages can be found on a lot of websites and can really help visitors get information quickly. Many online shops have FAQs that include things like How long does my item take to prepare and ship? Can you make that item in another colour? Are there discounts if I buy in bulk? Do you ship overseas? Obviously, the sorts of questions you use on your FAQs will very much depend on what sort of business you have. For example, if you sell woolen knitted hats, you might have FAQs such as How do I wash my hat? Or How do I store my hat? Can you make a hat in a specific colour? What sort of wool do you use? And so on. If you find you are getting people asking you the same questions over and over, these are exactly the sort of thing you could include in your FAQs, hence the name Frequently Asked Questions. Site search. Well, 
This is usually not a page per se. Most sites have a search bar or a link somewhere on each web page where a visitor can search for things. It is always worth doing whatever one can to help a visitor find what they are looking for quickly. So if you don't have some sort of search system on your website, I'd recommend looking into this. In conclusion, the pages that I strongly recommend every craft seller includes somewhere in his or her blog or website are an about page, a contact page, a privacy policy, a site map, a terms of service page, and an affiliate disclosure page if using affiliate links. Most websites have links to these important pages on every page of the site. If you are reading the transcript for this podcast or listening to it via the Tinteddy blog, you will see my own links in the black bar at the bottom of the page. You may also want to include some of them in your main site menu. I will be discussing some of the topics referred to in this podcast in more detail in future episodes. Links to all the sites mentioned and a full transcript are in the show notes on the Tinteddy blog. In the next episode of the Craft Seller Success Podcast, I will be talking about nine ways to add value to your products. This episode will be out on the 10th of July, 2018. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Craft Seller Success Podcast. Check out www.tinteddy.com for more craft seller resources. Until next time, bye. The Craft Seller Success Podcast from Tinteddy, featuring Deborah Richardson and Matthew French. Original music by Matthew French.